Welcome in, welcome back. After an extended and unplanned for COVID slash buy layoff for three weeks from the last game, number four Notre Dame takes down Florida State 42 to 26. 21 straight home games in a row. There was a lot to like. There was a lot to not like. There were some things that were concerning that haven't been so far this year. But in totality, overall, you have to say it was mission accomplished with this long, awkward layoff where they couldn't practice. Yeah, things weren't perfect. We're going to go over that. But overall, the goal is stay undefeated till you play Clemson no matter what it takes, no matter what it looks like. That's the overall goal right now, first and foremost, at least in my mind. So yeah, there were a lot of things I liked. There were a lot of things I didn't like. Brian Polian's special teams are starting to revert a little bit. I hope that's just a one-week thing. But overall, mission accomplished. You're undefeated. You beat this team up. The offense seems like I'm starting to get more of a feel of Tommy Reese's direction for this offense. And that gives me some comfort moving forward. So, lot to like, lot to improve on. Because if you play this game against Clemson, you're going to lose by a lot. So, if you if that's your bar, then you're not going to be happy. If you look at it as a ramp up to that point, you could live with some of the mistakes and and the less than a plus defensive effort, special teams mistakes, couple turnovers, that kind of stuff. You got away with it because it's a bad Florida State team. Keep your eye on the prize, though. You got to round all this into sharper, tighter form in about a month when we play Clemson, okay? But for now, mission accomplished. Notre Dame number four in the country undefeated. Let's talk about it. Let's go. We talk about respect. We talk about respect around the country. One thing that we want more than anything else, and that's respect. Welcome to the Always Irish Show. A whole lot of Notre Dame football and a little bit of everything else. You want to hitch up your child and say, hey, baby, here I am now. Let me see you run through me now. And now your host, you know him as the football Floyd that's often annoyed, here's Johnny. That's right. Welcome in. Welcome back to a post-Notre Dame COVID edition of the Always Irish Show. You can find me on the Twitter machine by searching Always Irish or at JKZND4. AlwaysIrishND at gmail.com is the email. Audio only. You can find me anywhere you get your audio only podcast. I will be there. Like, subscribe, share, review. I don't care what you do. I just like the interaction, okay? So, we have a lot to go over in this episode. Um, some of it big picture, some of it smaller picture. Um, and it's just kind of depends on what way you're looking at it from, how you're going to feel about this Florida State outcome overall. Okay. So that's some of the nuance that we're going to have to break down and work through tonight as we get into this. Okay. Oh, one more thing before we get into this. Yes, as you've noticed, if you're on YouTube, there are ads that run now. Once you get over 1,000, you can run the ads, make a little money for all your hard work and time. And I got a bunch of messages about this. John, how could you allow this political ad to run before your channel? I can't listen anymore. Dude, I do not pick what commercials run. I have no idea. You agree to enroll in the program to make a little money for your hard-earned work. They run the ads, they're going to run. I have no control over that. So back off with the, how dare you allow this political ad in your channel? I boycott. Dude, I don't pick the ads. They run the ads. I just enroll in the program to make a few dollars every show. (laughs) So I have no idea. I don't get to pick the ads. I know they're a little annoying, okay? But you can make it through 15 seconds so I can make a little money doing this work, okay? So... But I don't pick the ads for all of you that got upset about that. Not my call. I have no idea what they're going to run during my show. No idea. So I don't know what to tell you about that. Okay. So back to this game. What did you expect after the layoff? 
That's my question. And that's what I was struggling with this entire time where we weren't playing. We had the COVID shutdown, then the buy that was already built in, all this kind of stuff. I was asking myself, what am I expecting us to come out looking like? And how fair is it of me to critique some of the play we see knowing this wasn't like last year, Michigan, where we had a bye before Michigan, where we were practicing the whole time and then showed up clueless. That's different. I don't know. I don't think it's fair for me to come at the things we fell short on Saturday, even in a fairly lopsided win. I don't feel like I'm allowed to go at, at our guys as hard as I normally would. They weren't even able to practice. So it's really kind of hard for me to critique them the same way I would if we had a regular buy and they come out flat. So I, I struggle with that intrinsically. I, I Existentially, I struggled with it when I'm getting frustrated with some of the little things we saw. I just don't know how fair it is given all that these guys have been through the last few weeks at Notre Dame. Okay, the COVID stuff, the political turmoil, there's a lot going on on Notre Dame's campus right now. A lot of distractions, a lot of division, a lot of abnormalities, and that's not generally good for a football program. So given all that, take the W. We're undefeated. Okay, we're undefeated. Number four in the country right now. I can live with that as long as, as long as, now that we're out of the COVID and by and we played again, I got to see some improvements in these areas that we were a little deficient in against Florida State. As long as I see that we're ramping up into something ready to play Clemson and we keep winning, I can live with this as an ongoing process. As long as you're winning, winning by a lot, I can deal with it, okay? But it's always those two lenses I talk about. I'm watching Florida State, even when things were a little iffy and we had the two turnovers that were inexcusable and letting them hang around in the first half. I'm thinking, yeah, but they're just not that good. We're going to win this game handedly no matter what, whatever. But the flip side is that second lens. If this was November 7th and you're playing Clemson and you have those two bad turnovers, you're losing this game by four scores because you can't do that against Clemson and get away with it. So there's always those two lenses going on. Are we going to be able to win tonight? And how does this performance match up if we played our best opponent and not this one? You're going to lose by a lot if you play like this against Clemson. There's no way around it. So just be glad we got this out of the way now after the big layoff, still beat them pretty handedly, and we keep it moving. So that's, that's kind of how I think about it, okay? Some big picture things from this game. Just some bullet point notes that I, I wrote out, okay? Tommy Reese. This gives me a lot of comfort. I'm actually starting to feel like I'm getting to see what his vision for this offense is. Where he wants it to go. What it's building towards. I think he's starting to figure out how to use his players to best suit their skill set with Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Mayer, all these guys. I'm starting to feel like he's going out of his way to find ways to maximize what all those guys can do. The passing game is a work in progress. We all see that. We all know that. It's still an ongoing work in progress. But with the tight end play, with both blocking and receiving, pretty decent right now. Offensive line and running backs, really, really good right now. The passing game is the last thing to come, and it, and we need to get it there because you're not going to be able to beat Clemson doing what we've been doing. You're just not. It's not possible. It's, not, it's just not feasible. You need your running backs, tight ends, and downfield receivers to all be equal threats to spread them out and have any chance. Okay, so that's just the reality. But for where we're at right now, I, I do feel like I'm starting to see Tommy Reese's vision for this offense, and I do like it. So that's a positive. Number two, the run games was obviously good. 300, I mean, geez, three, over 300 and a half yards, 8.4 per rush. What was it? 350 something, 353. 
Um, really, really good run game dynamic, obviously, with the big runs. Kyron Williams is turning into a star. Chris Tyree, true freshman with that speed. It's what we all wanted to see. Okay, that speed, get a crease, he's gone, okay? Beautiful. Now, you do have to understand, you know what I'm going to say to this. If you've been around here more than one minute, you know what I'm going to say to this. That's fantastic. 350-something yards over almost eight and a half per attempt. That's fantastic. That's beautiful. But that's what you should do against Florida State because their defense is terrible. And their defensive line cannot stop the run. So you did what you're supposed to do. I'm not sending you a trophy for this. You did what you're supposed to do if you're this great Notre Dame offensive line. Okay, so you get credit for doing what you're supposed to do. You put up these numbers against Clemson's front. Then we have to have a different discussion about celebrating what you did. But for now, this should be expected against a terrible Florida State defense. So you did your job in the running game. Okay. Number three things I noticed, I think Ian Book actually looked sharper. He did. He looked better in this game, looked a little more comfortable. Again, the downfield passing game is still a work in progress, even though we had Skaronic back and Keys back and Austin back. They weren't really a factor. I don't think I don't think Austin and Skaronic didn't have any catches. So that's one possibility we knew was that they were going to come back and not be used that much. They didn't think they needed them, whatever. They want to ease them back in. That part's still ongoing, okay? There was one play where I saw Austin was wide open. Ian Book didn't see him, checked it down. That stuff is always going to drive me nuts. You cannot miss those opportunities against Clemson if you get them. You just can't. So that stuff's still going on uh, too much for my liking. But overall, I felt like Ian Book looked more comfortable, improved. He used his legs a little bit more in this game, which is good. That's something you're going to need him to do against Clemson anyways uh, when he has the opportunity to pick up some good yardage. Okay, so I do think Ian Book looked improved. That was good. The defense struggled at times. Um they just did. They were giving up some chunk plays, got beat over the top by the one guy that I highlighted and said, you can't let this guy beat you over the top. All I said in the last show is, Terry's their guy. He's their only guy that can burn you deep. Don't let it happen. What do we do? Let Terry burn us deep. Like it's He's the only guy. And I said it. He's the only guy. You can't let do that. And then we let him get behind us. Okay. And I know it was Crawford that, and he had to switch positions. Because I know all that. But that's the one guy you can't let that happen to when we let it happen to. Okay? That's frustrating to me. The defense was giving up some chunks and some drives where we let them get in a little rhythm that I didn't like. The other thing with the defense is I have a point target. Well, 10 of these points we handed Florida State by a dumb fumble and muffing a punt, which is inexcusable. You're not going to tell me the layoff makes us drop a punt. No, inexcusable. So I can't put those 10 points on the defense the same way I could if they get it at the 25 march down the field and get 10 points on the defense, right? Special teams can't muff a punt that deep in our own territory, and you can't fumble to start the game, okay? So... Yes, the defense, it wasn't the Clark Lee defense I'm used to. Some of it might have been the layoff, still working some guys back in. The offense and special teams giving us horrible defensive field position, handing them 10 points. That all factors into it. But we're going to get into some more things with this defense. Um, I think I'm willing to kind of give them a little break Given this layoff, I just am, especially defensively, because Clark Lee's earned my respect and trust. So I think I'm open to giving them a little bit more of a break. And also, I'm not fully making them own those 10 points that we messed up and gave them with turnovers. I refuse to put those all on the defense. We hung them out to dry, okay? Finally, special teams... Come on, man. I've been giving Polian credit every week. 
I'm fair with him. When they deserve credit, I give it to him. And when they don't, I'm quick to rip them. Missed field goal. Can't do it against Clemson. You cannot do that. Muffed. Come on, man. You can't muff a punt. That's garbage. Then we had the other play where we had two guys running into each other. That could have been a fumble too. So special teams, I don't know if this was just an anomaly, knocking the rust off. I don't know, but I know I didn't like it. Okay, so those are some quick quick big picture observations. Now let's get into some more details. Okay, so let's talk a little bit of offense specifically. Um, If you followed this show for any amount of time, you know one thing I always mention when we talk about how to get Notre Dame from the top of the pretty darn good into the bottom of the elite group in college football into that tier, one of the main things I always talk about is we need our young guys to be dynamic and playmakers early, okay? Well, offensively, you have Michael Mayer doing great things young. You have Kyron Williams, who's emerging as a star, and Chris Tyree, who's a speed burner, okay? Fantastic. Love to see it. Kyron Williams, 185 yards. Woo! Tyree, 103 yards. Woo! 65-yard long for Kyron Williams. Tyree had the one for, I believe, 45, okay? So, fantastic. Love to see. Love to see those guys, but... The other thing with it is the offensive line did look really, really good. Now, you have to keep in mind how bad Florida State is up front, but also you got to give our guys credit. They did what was allowed for them against this defense, and that's run all over them. So it's just what we all dreamed of, seeing these guys. Kyron Williams, he's a guy who just always gets more than he should. If there's any sort of decent window at all, he's breaking it for a big gain. And if there's not, he's at least falling forward to get you a few more than you should have got. Whether it's turning a loss into a short gain or a two-yard gain into a six-yard gain, he's always leaning forward. He's always falling forward. He's always he's just tough to get down. He's gritty. I just love everything about his style of running. Seeing him emerge like this is absolutely fantastic. Then you pair that up with Chris Tyree and his speed burning. That's dangerous. You got to have those two guys out there together moving around. Nobody knows which one's going to get it. They can both burn you. It's not like you could just focus on one guy. That's all fantastic. So wonderful development. Love to see it. Got to give the offensive line credit for creating those holes as well. 350-something yards, eight and a half average. I mean, they were mauling Florida State because Florida State's not good. So you did what you're supposed to do. I'm not building a monument for the offensive line for doing this against Florida State. Put up these numbers against Clemson, we'll have a different discussion. But for now, you did what you're supposed to do, okay? So that's where that ends. You did what you're supposed to do. Michael Mayer, we already talked about it. Two catches for 25. Love to see the crosser get in the end zone. True freshman. That's a true freshman we're going to get to watch develop for years. Love it, okay? Now, as we talked about, we didn't know how big of a factor these guys returning were going to be or not for this game. And Austin wasn't. Skaronic wasn't. Keys wasn't. That kind of bummed me out. I wanted to see that. But if they're not full speed, I'd rather we win a game we're going to win anyways and let those guys rest up because we're going to need them to compete with Clemson. That's the bottom line. And the sole focus for me is staying undefeated till that game with a chance to do something great. Okay, so if we could keep winning until those guys are under percent, I'm fine with this. Now, the ultimate scenario would be they're not injured, nobody has COVID, and we're already fine-tuning this downfield passing game. We need to, we're going to need to get where we want to go. We're just not there yet. So if we could keep winning and by comfortable margins while allowing those guys time to heal up, I can live with that. It's the best we can ask for right now. So I guess it is what it is, right? McKinley, though. Big body target. He looked big to me out there the other night. Five catches, 107 yards. Good for him, man. Hopefully that builds him some confidence. Uh, Lindsey, three for 29. They're still working on finding ways to get him more involved. 
and I think fine-tuning his best usage. I get the end-arounds and stuff like that, but he's your speed-burning deep threat. We got to start trying more of them and hitting more of them. So so that's an ongoing situation. Um, I did feel like Book looked better, more comfortable, not as jumpy. Maybe one part of it is he just knew he was going to have all day to do what he wanted to do against the defensive front for Florida State. So even if that's what it was, if it gives him confidence, then then I'm fine with it because he did look more patient, more comfortable. He did miss some open guys. That's an ongoing thing that's going to drive me nuts for a guy as old as him to not see guys wide open. He had Austin over the middle, Nobody within 15 yards of him didn't see him check the ball down. I, if you're a freshman, fine. But when you're this in your last year, I, 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 you can't be missing that guy. You can't not see that guy. So that's an ongoing situation. But overall, I feel like I'm starting to ease into this Tommy Reese thing, see kind of what he wants this to look like. And if you could get this a similar type of running game going to what we have now, the good tight end play we're getting from three tight ends, not one, but three, and then add in a dynamic passing game, that's where your offense needs to be. That's where it needs to be to compete with Clemson. Hopefully, over the next few weeks, that's where we will get. Okay, Good showing by the offensive line. It's a good thing Eichenberg, he got he poked in the eye. That's better than when you see a lineman go down. You worry he got rolled up on in his leg. It's an ACL or something. So, I mean, I'm sure it was painful for him. But for me to see he just got poked in the eye, it was no lower leg injury, long-term thing. Made me feel good. I'm sure everybody else as well, okay? Because that group's coming together, starting to run the ball. But do it against Clemson. Do it against Clemson. Do it against Clemson. Then I'll give you all the credit you want for 330 yards, whatever. You did your job, okay? Good job. You did your job. But you don't get monuments built for you for running over a horrible Florida State defense, okay? So keep building on this, and we got to see that against Clemson. Then I'll I'll be over here building you a statue myself of all five offensive linemen. I'll be chipping their faces out of granite, okay? So do it against them. You get the statue from me, okay? But for now, good job. I can see the direction Reese wants to go. I like it. I think he realizes what we all do. You got to just find ways to get these athletes the ball with a little bit of space. Let them take care of the rest. And that's what we did for a large amount of this game offensively, okay? Do it against Clemson. You really want credit. Do it against the best team you play, not one of the worst defenses you play, okay? Now, on to the defense, not their best effort, like not their best effort. 26 points, we already covered 10 of them. I, I can't, when you fumble the ball in your own territory, you muff a punt deep in your own territory, I refuse to put the points scored off that all on the defense. Some of it's still on them, but we handed them 10 points with those short fields, okay? So 26 points, too many against this garbage Florida State team. Too many chunk plays. We got burned deep. I don't have patience for that, especially when I said that's the one guy you can't allow that to and we let it happen. I have no patience for that. I circled and highlighted, Terry, Terry, Terry. He's the only guy that could do this to you. Don't let it happen. Sure enough, burned right over the top. I have no patience for that, especially with that scouting report out loud and clear that you need help on Terry and he burned us, okay? So not the best defensive effort, not the Clark Lee defense I'm used to seeing. Some chunk plays. We gave up some long drives. I don't know. Some of that rust. Some of it is we don't have all our guys back on defense. I don't know. Awusu Carmo with the big hits. Fine. But here's what makes me a little concerned about this game in particular. When you look at the tackle chart, Bracey had, what did he have? He had eight. Hamilton had eight. And those were your leading tacklers. 
That's not good. You can't, if secondary guys are your leading tacklers, that's not a good sign. That's not a sign of a good defensive night. That means that they were getting by your first two levels of defense and the secondary had to clean it up. So that's concerning to me. Okay, some of this linebacker play is a little concerning to me. I'm not talking about Owusu Karmoa, but he can't play all the positions. There's some guys getting engaged in blocks and aren't getting off. There's some guys dancing around with some uncertainty. There's some guys that aren't where they need to be. So I don't know if this was just an anomaly or what, but I can't have the two leading tacklers being secondary guys. That is a huge defensive red flag. That cannot be the case. So, and here's the other thing you got to think about too. The offense that Florida State ran and some of the quarterback keeps and fakes and stuff like that, uh, or that Florida, did I say Clemson, that Florida State was running? Clemson runs that, but with better talent and a better quarterback. So if we were having problems identifying where plays were going, who has the ball, whatever, you better get it cleaned up because Clemson runs something very, very similar with better talent at every position and a way better quarterback. Okay, so... That makes me a little nervous. Uh, I don't I don't like that at all. But Clark Lee has earned and deserves my respect largely. So I'm willing to kind of chalk some of this up to we still don't have everybody back defensively from COVID and injuries. Three-week layoff. Uncharacteristic mistakes by the offense and special teams to put the defense in bad positions. I'm willing to give the defense a break to some extent due to those factors. But this needs to be cleaned up. The the secondary guys haven't been the leading tacklers really hits me wrong. That that should not happen. Okay. So I don't know. That being said, the defense still did some really nice things. Finally got an interception. Crawford got beat by Terry. At least he comes back with the interception when Florida State was driving near the goal line. That's good to see. The bad part is, that's only our first interception of the year. And I'm hoping for a little bit more disruption moving forward, okay? So, not the cleanest, crispest defensive effort. But due to all the factors I said, I'm willing to kind of give them a a break uh, and see if we could clean it up. And when we get more of our guys back, I'm sure that'll happen naturally as well. I will submit this, though, for the defense. Even on an average, below average night, they still caused five three and outs. Florida State was 0 for 11 on third and long. And they gave up three points on drives that were 12 and 13 play drives. Now, I could say I don't want to give up 12 and 13 play drives, but they only gave up three points. So it wasn't all bad with the defense. I'm willing to wipe this one out, and I expect a cleaner effort moving forward, okay? Special teams, clean it up. Clean it up. Everybody knows I have zero tolerance for special team shenanigans. Zero. Miss field goal, didn't matter against Florida State. Against Clemson, that's completing all your dreams and hopes or failing again. You can't. Aff- you got to clean it up. Can't miss the kicks. Muffing a punt? You've got to be kidding me. Amateur hour. There's no way you're telling me the layoff caused that. Clean it up. Then later in the game, I think it was another punt. We had two guys hitting each other. The ball could have hit them. Florida State could have got it. Clean it up, Polian. I've been nice to him because he's deserved it this year. Special teams has been a plus unit so far. I've been giving him credit. Do not let this start slipping away back into some of these sloppy habits we've had in years previous. Please do not. I'll give you one week as an anomaly, knock the rust off, whatever you haven't been able to practice, whatever, whatever, but this was it. Don't do it again next week, please. Okay, I'm begging you. My hairline can't afford it. So tighten it up. Okay, so let's touch on my five things list and see how we did. And I think it's kind of a mixed bag. Okay. Number one, how are we going to come out after the layoff? You know, that's the question I ask, uh, every game this year, actually. 
how are we going to come out after the, well, this makes me laugh. You have the locker room speech of Brian Kelly. We need a fast start. We're going to get, we're going to go in there. We're going to go, 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 go. And right away we fumble on, what was it? Like our second play we fumbled. So (laughs) how are we going to come out? Well, the fumble was not a great way to come out, but we were able to overcome it. Again, I don't know why I'm being so generous. I'm borderline willing to throw out some of these negatives because I think people are underestimating how much it affects a football team to have to shut everything down in the middle of the season abnormally. I don't think people realize what a big deal that is and how much it throws off. So I'm not going to be as hard on them as I normally am. Okay, so... How are we going to come out? Well, the fumble wasn't a great start. I hate to tell you. Right after Kelly does this speech, we're going to start fast. Oh, fumble. <laughs> How do you keep a team that's, that you're way better than in the game? Oh, I know. Turn it over right away. Okay. So, no, didn't do that. Uh, how would the offense come together? Tommy Reese, I asked. I'm actually very pleased with Tommy Reese. I see this direction out, and I see him trying to put our best athletes in the best position to succeed on any given play. That's all I could ask. I don't feel like we always got that out of a chip long offense. I felt like there was a lot of talent that wasn't used right or enough or the right way or whatever you want to call it. I at least am starting to have confidence. Tommy Reese gets it, sees the gems he has offensively and is structuring this offense around it. Okay. Still begging to see this happen in the downfield passing game. But with the tight end usage in the running game, it's very hard not to be pleased with the direction Reese is taking. I'm fine with that, okay? Defense, I got even harder on them. They were doing so good, I decided to ratchet it up a little bit. It wasn't their best effort. We already went over it. It just wasn't. It wasn't their best effort, okay? Clemson runs a similar offensive scheme with a lot of what they do in the running game. Got to tighten it up. There's no way around it. Got to tighten it up, okay? Secondary guys cannot be your leading tacklers. That's a huge red flag. Got to see that change. Not their best day defensively, but I'm, I'm willing to deal with it as long as we see improvement the next few weeks leading into Clemson, Okay. The fourth thing I had was, how would these returning guys play? We didn't know if they would play a lot or not. They weren't really needed that much. Key, Skaronic, Austin were the big guys offensively. Just not, I I don't, I think they were out there a little and didn't get much action. Let them heal up till we need them. Not an ideal situation, but it's the one we're in. It's the best we could do, okay? Number five I had, could we do what Miami did and make a statement against Florida State? We won by a lot and it wasn't close, but we made too many mistakes to blow them out the same way Miami did. We didn't play a clean game. We had two turnovers, got burned on a deep play and gave up a bunch of chunk plays in the run game. So no, we didn't do it as convincingly as Miami, but we still won enough that it wasn't close. Move up to number four, wipe your hands of it. Let's keep it moving. I don't know what else to say about it, right? Okay, so we had another, let's transition, let's switch gears a little bit here. We had another really interesting weekend of games, and I'm finding what's happening is, since not everybody's playing, the games you're watching, there's less going on, so you're able to pay closer attention to some of these other ball games, because there's just not like 20 good games at once you want to watch, so you're able to zone in on what's going on. Clemson 42, Miami 17. Love it. Shut Miami up. Good. I already went over how I think it's in Notre Dame's benefit for Clemson to also be undefeated when we match up against them. That's what you should want as a Notre Dame fan. So you still have that dynamic progressing and all the Miami people can shut the hell up. They're not back. They're not great. Give me a break. They couldn't do shit against Clemson. 42-17. Good. Hate that fan base. Moving on. Alabama 63, Lane Kiffin 48. Here's my question. I am not used to seeing an Alabama defense give up 48 points. And this is a part of a bigger discussion about SEC defenses we're going to have in about two minutes. 
but I'm not used to seeing Alabama give up 48 points. That doesn't seem right to me. I'm not used to that. So I find that a little bizarre. It doesn't surprise me to see them put up 63 points with their offensive talent. But giving up 48 is not something I'm accustomed to seeing from an Alabama defense. And that's something to watch and monitor as we move forward throughout the year. Okay. So you had Georgia 44, Tennessee 21. Fine. Like, whatever. Fine. It is what it is. Like, how serious are you going to take Tennessee? Every year I hear this is the year they're going to do something. I, when's that ever going to take place? 44-21. Now, here's the thing. So Georgia did look better offensively, no doubt. You know they're going to bring a pretty good defense. So you look at Notre Dame sitting at number four, and then in between us, you have Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Well, guess what? Georgia and Alabama play next week. So one of those teams no longer going to be undefeated possibility for Notre Dame to move up into the three spot. Yes, I understand Ohio State's not being factored in right now or whatever. There's nothing there we could control. Just keep winning. Let these other teams play. You win, you move up. It ain't rocket science. You keep doing that. We'll be in a good position. We're in a good spot, okay? Florida 38, Texas A&M 41. I told you last week, I'm always iffy on Florida. I always feel like they have talent, but they're on the verge of having some big letdown. And then it happened against Texas A&M. So Jimbo Fisher gets a big win finally in the SEC. Okay. So then you have North Carolina 56, Virginia Tech 45, I believe. Here's the thing. North Carolina keeps winning. I think their quarterback is legit. We play them at the end of the year. But here's the thing. We play North Carolina. Clemson does not play North Carolina. So if this goes the way it's going and you have these currently three undefeated teams in the ACC between Clemson, North Carolina, and Notre Dame, this is going to be a big issue about who gets into that ACC title game because we play Clemson in the regular season. If we lose, we would have one loss. I don't... I look at North Carolina's schedule. I don't know if they're going to lose a game till they play us because they're avoiding Clemson. So if they're sitting there at undefeated, Notre Dame say we lose to Clemson, have one loss. We got to beat North Carolina. There's no other way around it. Okay, so that's something big to pay attention to. But if Virginia Tech scoring 45 against North Carolina, Notre Dame's offense is way better than theirs. So I expect us to score some points against that team but we'll just that's at the very end of the year and I already told you I hate that setup I believe it's Thanksgiving weekend not even a Saturday night a Friday night at North Carolina I hate everything about it the only good part might be if they keep winning there's no way this is a sleeper game or a you know one of those type games it can't be if they keep winning so everybody should have their eyes wide open about that team in that game. It's not going to be like, oh, nobody's taking them seriously. Then we play them and we're sleepwalking. That shouldn't be the case. Everybody should be on high alert. But I hate all the surrounding factors. Holiday weekend, Friday night, away. I just, I don't like that. But we'll worry about it when we get to it on the back end of the schedule. Okay. So you have Oklahoma 53, Texas 45. Would I have liked it if Oklahoma took another loss? Yes. But the way it sits now is Oklahoma and Texas both have two losses and are effectively out of the playoff. I can live with that too. So either way that result went, I was going to be fine with it. Seeing Oklahoma lose another one, I'd be fine with it. But each of these teams with two losses pretty much locks them out of playoff contention, in my opinion. So I'm fine with it, okay? Missouri 45, LSU 41 again. LSU lost so much talent, but they still have enough talent. They shouldn't be this bad defensively week, week, week in, week out. So that's got to get cleaned up. They have way too much talent to be that bad defensively. Reminds me kind of of the BVG defenses, where you just look at the talent and say, there's no way it should translate this crappy on the field, right? Then you have BC, Phil. 31-30 over Pitt. 
19 to 35 for 358 yards and three touchdowns. That's your fill watch, okay? He's doing well. Beautiful long balls. I saw him throw. I'll say it again. I wish him well till he plays Notre Dame. But I love seeing the kid air the ball out and do great, okay? So it is what it is. I know people, it's a lightning rod whenever you bring him up, but I wish him well till he plays Notre Dame. That's where it ends for me. And then, oh, I got to mention this. I got to take another loss on this. Mike Leach, what did he score? Like a million points week one, I think 14 last week. And that big wide open passing offense he brought to the SEC, they scored two points over the weekend. Two. Not two touchdowns, not two touchdowns per quarter, not two touchdowns per half. Two points total. So he's got to figure something out because there's no reason for that, okay? So those are some other game notes uh, for, that caught my eye. I don't know if there's anything I'm missing. But the one thing I want to get back to are these SEC defenses because I got some questions. Okay, so let me run this by you because I've been noticing this, and I'm sure you guys have as well. But what's happening to this physical, tough SEC defense label that we've given them for 25 years? Okay, Defense is allowing six yards per play or, or less. In the SEC, there's seven. And in the Big 12, which everybody rips for their lack of defense, including yours truly, eight. Okay, defense is allowing six yards per play or less. The SEC has seven. The Big 12 has eight. Defense is allowing more than seven yards per play. The SEC has three. The Big 12 has zero. Okay, over this weekend, half the SEC quarterbacks threw for over 300-plus yards, multiple touchdowns, and no interceptions. So I don't understand what's happening with defenses in the SEC. Are they getting away from that and are opening it way more up offensively? Because look at the point totals for SEC teams this weekend. You had a 63 48, 45, 44, 41, 41, 38, 30, 28, 24, 21, 7, and 2. So you could see the averages are skewing way high for what we typically think of these tough physical SEC defenses. So I don't know what's going on there, but I find it really interesting. And I just don't know what's causing it. If it's all the weird COVID stuff, or if there's actually a philosophy shift going on that nobody realizes, it's just the way things are migrating towards. I don't know, but I find it really weird because it's just not what I'm used to. Even like not even the bottom feeders, but seeing Alabama give up as many points as they did is odd to me. It's odd to me. It's I, I'm not used to seeing it, right? So something to keep track of as I continue to rip the Big 12 for lack of defense, I'm not seeing as much of it either from the SEC. So something to look at, keep track of, okay? Something else to think about as we keep going. And this is very much a Notre Dame-specific thing. Internally, I think we talk about it. Externally, I don't know if it gets talked about enough. And that's the fact that you have to remember any team that plays Notre Dame, you're getting their best effort. There is no such thing as sleepwalking by Notre Dame, uh, not paying attention to Notre Dame, looking ahead the next week for your next opponent. None of that exists when you play Notre Dame. Everybody hates us. Everybody knows it's a big game with big ratings. They want to take us out. Understand that. Even the lower teams we play, that's their Super Bowl. I look at some of these teams as the ninth team we play, you know, in terms of how important they are. No big deal to me, but to them, that's their Super Bowl playing Notre Dame. We always have to keep that in mind. We get everybody's best shot. We cannot afford to sleepwalk by people because nobody sleepwalks when they're playing us. You're going to get everybody's best shot, and I wouldn't want it any other way, okay? That's one thing. Number two is Notre Dame's currently fourth in the nation in yards per rush at 6.3, very good. Fifth in overall yards per game rushing, 271, really good. You know what I'm going to say, though. 
We played teams that are not that great. Put up a good performance against Clemson, and I will be throwing every bouquet I can plant or buy or order online at your feet. Do it against the best teams we play, and you'll get all the credit in the world, okay? All the credit in the world. Do it against them. And here's something I've really been thinking about, and I don't know what the answer is or where it falls, and I don't know if this is partially because of where I live in the country and the Chicago Midwest area. I'm disconnected from down south. I don't know. But this crossed my mind the other night. I was thinking about this. Let's say things progress down the current path and Notre Dame and Clemson meet at Notre Dame Stadium under the lights, undefeated, both of them undefeated. Who is everybody else going to root for in that scenario? Like, I understand everybody hates Notre Dame as a general rule. I get that. But is what happened to Alabama happening to Clemson yet where people are sick of them winning so much? They root against them just to see something different? Because I feel like that happened with Alabama to where now everybody's just like, oh, Alabama again? Like, it's almost boring how good they've been for so long if you're not a diehard Alabama fan. Are we getting to that saturation point with Clemson where people see they've won five ACC titles in a row in the pencil in the playoff every year? Are we to the point yet where people are sick of that enough that they're going to back off their, their intrinsic hatred for Notre Dame and hope for the upset when we play? Or is it not to that point yet? Or is everybody just going to hate watch both teams and just hope we beat each other up? Like, I'm really wondering, because I felt that with Alabama, where they just got so good, then everybody roots against them because you want to see something different. Are we to that point yet with Clemson or not? I honestly don't know, but it's something I've been wondering about. When everybody sits down for that game, if we're both undefeated, who the general public's going to root for and against? I don't know. Maybe if I was in the Carolinas, I'd have a better pulse of this, or down south. I just don't feel like I have a good read on how that's going to go amongst everybody else watching that ball game. But I do think it's interesting just from the overall larger fan perspective. So I don't know what you guys think about that. Um, looking at Louisville moving forward, our next opponent, it's pretty interesting. Um, they're 1-3, 46-27 loss to Georgia Tech. I think that was a Thursday or Friday night game. Feels like it was a year ago. Um I even though they're one in three, I still look at this Louisville team as being very dangerous offensively. I think their defense is terrible, and Notre Dame should score a ton of points. But offensively, that team scares me. Cunningham, the running back, will run on your ass in a second. And we didn't exactly do the best job of containing Florida State's quarterback when he ran either. So if you let him, he'll run on you in a heartbeat. Hawkins is a really good running back. Atwell and Ford are really dynamic receivers. I feel like this offense runs on momentum. They're one of those teams. I think Miami's one of those teams. They run on momentum. When they get hot, if you let them get in a rhythm and make some plays, that offense can be extremely dynamic. Okay? Like, they have no business losing 46-27 to Georgia Tech. They had a ton of busted coverages, bad defense, easy scores they gave up. Offensively, they had some rhythm and fumbled. They did some dumb things. I feel like more than anything, this is a momentum team. My, I look at Miami the same way. If you start pounding them and get them down, you could take advantage of them. But if you let them hang around and make some plays, you could be in for a long night. Um so ultimately, I do think they're going to make some plays because Atwell, Ford, Hawkins, and Cunningham are really, really legitimately good, tricky players to defend. But I also have to think that their defense is so bad that Notre Dame's going to be able to score enough to overcome those issues. I really do think that. I do also think, though, them being one in three, kind of ramps up the pressure on Notre Dame's end a little bit, in my opinion, right? Because if they were really good in 3-1 and one or whatever, 
This would be the game we all spoke about as the trap game and the sleeper game watch out for. I feel like now that they're one and three, some of that has died down, but I still think they're dangerous. If you let them hang around, let that offense make plays, they're going to make plays on you, make you look foolish. Their defense is just so bad. I just think if Notre Dame does what we're going to do and runs the ball like we did last week, that's going to be enough to win this game. But those talented offensive skill players are going to cause us some trouble. They're going to make some plays. Okay, so don't let the one and three confuse you. Very bad defense, but a very tricky, skilled offense if you let them get in a rhythm. Momentum is everything for a team like this. Come out early, put together a nice long drive, run it down their throats, eat up five, six, seven minutes, score, get them off the field on their offense, go score again, get them uncomfortable early. Um, But I do expect those skill guys to cause some trouble, but their defense is so bad that I just have to think Notre Dame's going to just will their way to do enough offensively that they'll be able to overcome some of the plays that uh, Louisville skill guys are going to make, okay? So in terms of mentality, how does this go for Louisville being one and three? Is it one and three, now we're depressed, we're down in the dumps, and we're kind of checking out? Or is it one and three, but we know we're better than that? What better week to prove it than to beat Notre Dame? That's the other way to think about it. So I just don't know which way this is going to fall for Louisville. One and three down in the dumps or one and three, but we know we're better than that. Let's go prove it and knock Notre Dame off at home. Okay, so I don't know, but I just got to believe Notre Dame's far enough down this rebuild path. You can't lose to one and three team like this. Establish your will on offense, run the ball, eat up some clock, give up some yards at some place to their skill guys, then tighten it up. Don't give up touchdowns, win the game. We keep it moving. Okay. So that's what I want to see out of that. I don't know. I don't know, man. I I have mixed feelings on this. Notre Dame's what a 16 point favorite to open against Louisville. For some reason, I feel like Notre Dame's going to cover that. Maybe I shouldn't, but I just do. So I don't know, but I guess we'll see. Till next time, see you on Twitter.